Hello and welcome to the Common Briefing Program. Uh, we are part of the Common Geeking Program podcast here where each month we recap the hottest headlines of geek news. And this is going to be the month where we recap December 2019, the end of a legendary year, the year of Common Briefing Program. Uh, so we are going to spend about an hour giving you the news. I am Colin Ketchin. I will be your host. I'm joined by me, Austin Liebers, uh, resident. Uh, <laughs> hi, uh, Kaimal Chowdhury, uh, also known as Chowder. Uh, I'll let you choose how you want that to be, uh, in, a, in the middle of a branding change, so, you know. You know. Oh, okay. You're fully adopting the Chowder name. <laughs> Bringing it at Chowder LLC. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just making shit up. Oh, uh, that's fine. It is for entertainment we, purposes. This is uh, genuine. Wow. Holy shit. The subtitles in Skype bleep things out. Chowder, when you said shit, it gave four asterisks. You know, this gives what us What the a, fuck? Yeah, this gives us some family... Yeah, it did it again! It gives us some family uh, content to aspire to here. Uh, we are recording this uh, the day before this podcast comes out. This is going to be out in the morning. Uh, it is January 2nd, so it is officially 2020. So this is going to be not just the episode where we reflect on uh, 2019... Uh, sorry, December 2019. I will open the floor to if you guys have things from the year you want to reflect on. We'll get to that. But also, before this episode ends, you better believe we're going to spend a disproportionate amount of time talking about Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, perhaps the greatest film to grace our era. Nope. Something like that. No. Did it hurt something, you? Something did it hurt in, you? This, something inside me rotted away. <laughs> And you know what the funny thing is? Yeah. You know what the funny thing is? I don't even particularly care about Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I've seen the original trilogy and the prequel yep. trilogy. That's about it. I haven't seen the Clone Wars, none of the extended universe Same. stuff. Keenan had to explain to me that Mandalorians were not stormtroopers. Keenan has to explain everything to everybody. And that's, you know, that's okay for <laughs> Keenan. Yeah, yeah. But, but like, we're but, here but to like particularly, the news. I, 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 I always thought Mandalorians <laughs> were just like some sect of stormtroopers because they have too, the helmets. until the Mandalorian show started happening. But anyway, uh, before we jump in, we've just been through... A barrage of holidays here in Western civilization. And uh, I'm feeling you know a little was sleepy. Nice? Yeah, how are you doing? What's up? You know it was nice? August. It was a simpler time. <laughs> I was just playing Remnant from the Ashes. Oh, yeah. Just that shooting, was yeah, shooting monsters. Just walking around like a soul slug. It was good. Everything was great. December, not like that. <laughs> Very bad. <laughs> I have not been shooting monsters. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's a that's definitely I mean, there was one a, a benchmark thing, I guess. for quality of life. Uh, do, uh, did you want to move into talking about actual things that have happened recently? Well, Is that where we're going? No, I want to see how Chowder's doing. I want to get a lay of the land. Let's okay. set, let's set the tone. Excellent. Let's figure out where we are <laughs> and move uh, forward. Well, I'm job hunting. I I just want a different job because I hate my current one. Uh, oh yeah. And uh, that's really about all that's going on in my life. That takes a that takes a lot of like brain space when you're doing that i have changed jobs twice this year both times of my own choice i found a better opportunity in both cases but yeah it's just it really eats up a lot of 
thought. Yeah. Like you're there's a weird proliferating anxiety. Though I will say, when you said job hunting, you said that right after Austin said shooting monsters. So I imagined you <laughs> shooting jobs the way kind that he was hunting thing, monsters. You know. Uh, so like I would I said, love to be a monster hunter. It would, you're just trying to live a life uh, that's fulfilling and fun and kill bosses and <laughs> that's and that does work you know, the same the true in the, both of the true marxist the true marxist uh marxist uh life Ki- killing bosses <laughs> fulfillment not worrying about money killing bosses that kind of stuff yeah i forgot the part of the communist manifesto that talks about hp scaling so we could revisit that later <laughs> i suppose all right we're gonna jump in um so uh Let's talk about December 2019. Do either of you in particular have something that you want to talk about first? Uh, yeah. Um, yes, but also first I want to say that um, because the, the manifesto is like more of a uh, – it's more of an introductory sort of work. Yes. Uh, he goes over the scalings oh, on stats in Das Kapital. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I'm just saying Mario Kart works how socialism should. The, peop- the people in the – the people who are oh, furthest you, you back get the it. better items. You know? I had a fun, I had a fun conversation about this talking to my friend uh, at work, and uh, we were talking about games, and I was like, designing a party game has got to be really interesting because party games only work if there's like no skill curve. Like they have to balance out the opportunity. Because think about Smash Bros. Great party game, but you mm-hmm. know we all have an Austin in our friend group who knows the game better than all of us. So when Austin plays, there's like a predetermined set of outcomes. Mario Party, and I know this because yesterday I got together with the with the Dice Populi guys, and we played oh, nice. we played a couple games of Mario Party. That is an unpredictable slog of hatred, and it's just like <laughs> it, is, it is engineered to make people win unexpectedly and lose unexpectedly. So, you know, maybe there's something there. That's a film paper we could write. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, uh, Austin, you popped up in the subtitles first uh, for dibsing it, so I'm going to give it to you. What are we talking about? Um, so there was a really good movie that came out oh recently boy. this month, right? Oh, yeah, boy. we've all seen it. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, like a, a good a good mystery. Ah, uh, yeah. Compelling characters mm-hmm. and excellent jokes and uh, narrative tension keeps you on the edge of your seat. It was uh, Knives Out, uh, Ryan Johnson. That was, uh, it was yeah. an excellent film. That's what I that. You know, we've all seen it, so I'm not really sure where to start with this one. Honestly, if we're good to just, like, fucking talk about Knives Out, the three of us, I'm so <laughs> here for that right now. Because <laughs> Knives Out, spo- I'm just going to say, I don't know if we're going to get into spoilers, but if you want to see Knives Out, and you should, spoilers right now, just in case. Oh, definitely, because there's too much good shit to talk about it's, with this movie. It's, it's so multi-level. So, so planning the seed for later in the conversation, Ryan Johnson also wrote and directed Star Wars Episode Eight to the chagrin of half of the people who like Star Wars, uh, but to the joy of people like me who kind of don't. So uh, I was like, you know what? He did something in Star Wars that I liked, which was not remake one of the original movies and also say, yeah. what's the fucking point of Star Wars and why does it matter? And Hmm. he does that by sort of inverting what you're looking at, what you're expecting out of the movie. And I'm not trying to say subversion is always a good thing in movies, but Knives Out is a whodunit 
meaning there's a house, someone died in the house, you gotta figure out who did it. It tells you who did it really early in the movie, like 30 minutes into the movie. And from that point on, I was like, I don't know what I'm watching huh. anymore. <laughs> and I don't know where it's going to go. No, no. It's, yeah. It, it, Knives Out is pretty good. In, or like what, what, what I liked is that like, you know, like when they reveal like who done it, uh, I was like, well, I guess we're just shifting over to a thriller now. But then like more questions but start then, coming up yeah. and, it, and it like still fulfills the mystery part. And it's great. And like what I re- what made Knives Out so refreshing is that it's. It very much is a mystery, a puzzle box mm-hmm. that you're trying to solve rather than most mystery, quote unquote mysteries these days where it's just a thrill, a mediocre thriller, you know? Yeah, it's a thriller that has a couple of questions asked. And once the question is answered, it just shifts into the tension is no longer with the question. The tension yeah. is with the stakes of whatever the situation is. Yeah, like... Uh- like uh and, like Sherlock is despite being Sherlock mm-hmm. Holmes we never like get to see any of the evidence the only time is when Sherlock has his epiphany and he like has his, his part like blurt, blurts everything out and we don't really get to follow along with him because we got to have Sherlock be smart and how is he going to be smart if the audience can figure out the mystery before him? Kind of dumb stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and beyond uh just that like excellent plotting uh i mean so we're gonna talk spoilers we can just talk about the movie i think we already spoiled a big part of it well right but like i want to get into like there's so much good uh weaving of like the various themes in the uh in the movie to the to the mystery and like the whole picture of what's going on Mm -hmm. being a a commentary on uh america today yeah yeah um that Uh, i i I just yeah yeah. Uh, i i i just really like how like all all the spoiled rich people just get completely fucked over and it in the funniest possible way like yeah and the, like, the, oh, yeah. the, the, the obvious overt dialogue being uh, the estate of this rich, white, entitled family is about to be given entirely to uh, the daughter of an undocumented immigrant. So there's a lot of overt talk about, like, you got to come in the country legally. You got to get them out of here. Who cares if they're putting people in cages? Yeah. It's very on the nose, but, like, yeah. as, as someone who for the first time is seeing, like, new Star Trek come out, which has always been a socially-minded show— and I'm watching new Star Trek. I'm like, that's really on the nose, guys. Be more subtle. But I'm like, if I was watching it in the 80s, I'm sure half the stuff they're saying would clang the same way. So I'm really interested to see yeah, in Knives and- Out in 10 years, is that going to feel as loud? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, like, you know, sometimes it's good to not be subtle. Sometimes, like, oh, or very often, like, people will be like, nope, nope, not listening to this. Just going to pretend it's about something else. Yeah, you know, and, and the club. thing is the 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 suspense throughout the whole movie because there there are a lot of layers to the intrigue because like an ogre, uh, yeah, ex- exactly. You peel back the shreks of the movie before you get to its core, <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's just cleverly done because there's a lot of simple misdirection of okay, you need to worry about who the killer is. This is who it was. Now you need to worry about who did this. This is what happened. Now you need to worry. And and it, it keeps it keeps pulling your attention in different directions. So I think that ha- I, I think that you're right that the lack of subtlety works in its favor because it drives the message. It, it it doesn't spend a lot of time talking about it, 
but it cuts through. Through all these peeling layers, that's one thing that is consistently apparent is, like, this is a central, like, motivation for these characters. Uh, and that's something that you don't lose track of in the, you know, hierarchy of donuts. <laughs> that's an episode title if I ever fucking heard hierarchy one. Hierarchy of donuts. I also think that, like, all of the... Like, there there like there are points where, like, it's, it's you know, the, the characters in the, the rich white family say the thing mm-hmm. that is... Uh, they, they make a comment about uh, our current president or, like... Mm-hmm they say something about uh, immigration explicitly. But, like, there are so many other little things mm-hmm. in the interactions that they have with uh, Marta, the main yeah, character. Yeah, like, the film, yeah, I know that, too. Like, the how they'll... The, the yeah. dead guy. Yeah. Microaggression uh, in the movie? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, they'll, they'll be like, oh, I wanted you to come over, but, you know, they voted me out. And, like, you hear that from, like, multiple people. multiple people mm-hmm. like i think it's almost all of the family who says it at some point so like yeah everyone yeah. in the family at some point blames someone else for the actions against marta yeah yeah and then on top of that too you have like uh just their the the fact that they all like they all like say that they really appreciate marta and what she does for what she's done for their father slash grandfather and like they all everyone says oh yeah her and her family from insert fucking south american country because none of them yeah yeah none of them pick the same one (laughs) yeah they all just know she came from somewhere not the u.s Mm -hmm. um which i thought was great because like it's it's like even even the more uh socially conscious quote unquote of that family obviously have like the same lack of interest in yeah. who she is as a person which yeah. i think is uh i think that pretty well represents a lot of uh the electorate yeah. in the US yeah. I, who, uh, that that actually makes me think it's power. it's a reasonable comparison and not in all the back end stuff that matters for a lot of very important social reasons but in terms of just the movie itself and its execution it kind of reminds me of get out in a way yeah. where get out was able to very subtly explain like there is a kind of prejudice and racist prejudiced and racist expression that is like subtle and pervasive that you that is that is a dog whistle that comes out in these like when you put it in the context of these films it it's it's very noticeable but it's stuff that passes very frequently i think this was particularly deft at handling that in the context of a very entertaining brisk film yeah yeah and um just like also, um, want to say acting across the board. This was so an excellent good, so cast, good. and they all did very well. And so I, I think it's interesting that everyone's or a lot of characters are cast to be kind of the opposite of what the actor is known for, like exactly. Evans and uh, yeah. Uh, I, I want to say I, I really just want to see Daniel Michael Shannon play more funny people. Yeah, yeah. Michael Shannon's the <laughs> other one I was thinking of. Uh, but yes, I would like a series out of this where it's just Daniel Craig solving various mysteries in a, a very thick Southern accent. That was one of my favorite things about the film, not just Daniel Craig's performance, um, but the fact that the detective in the Who Done It movie is like pretty dumb like he's not well, a he's not a like super, super smart guy <laughs> we can't take him seriously for like the whole movie yes. until he reveals to marta at the end that he knew that she was there for the uh mm-hmm. for the death because he saw the blood on her shoe yeah, yeah. But, i mean uh, i mean he, he wasn't that dumb he not was... dumb as in like unintelligent but like dumb as in 
he's he is not artic as articulate as a lot of detectives are. He's not the Sherlock <laughs> going to show off his brains. And I think he, the clear the donut of the, inside the donut. The is donut. A I thought this mystery was a donut with a hole, and I found the donut hole. But there's a hole in the smaller donut. And it's just I'm like, wow, James Bond really took a fucking turn, didn't he? So, but uh, well, what if what if like he does decide to make a series out of uh, this detective character? But the detective character has a different ridiculous accent for each movie. <laughs> It'd be like his Cornetto trilogy, just an anthology of Daniel Craig being differently accented yeah. detectives. Um, but I think we would, I mean, it's because we couldn't, if you did make this, uh, these sequels, I think you'd miss out on having Marta's character. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, yeah. She is the, so important yes. to yeah. this, like, like, how much tension in this movie just by virtue. I mean, like, she's a great character. But, like, just the fact that she has that quirk where she just cannot lie to people without puking. That, is, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a thing that shouldn't work. That's one of those things that is a movie yeah. where I'm like, that <laughs> idea is so ridiculous and stupid. Like, if you pitch that to a movie executive, they would they would pass on it. And it works in the context of the strange, like, structure of this film. Um, and it's, uh, it, I mean, it the thing supports is, everything. It fits, it fits inside, like, a clue mystery, you know? Like, each yeah. character has a quirk, and that's hers. And, you know, and mm -hmm. that's clearly what they're going for. Like, yeah. just an overtop I mean, also, clue in mystery. The, in yeah. the context of the other potential suspects, I think Marta's quirk is that she's uh, genuinely a nice person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it does. It does. <laughs> It, the, the puking thing works because it serves so many functions. It's, you know, comedic. It'll reel in. It'll reel you in if for some reason you're not paying attention. It advances the plot in multiple instances. It characterizes her in a stark way against everyone. And almost all the small things in this movie about that have to do with their characters serve those kinds of functions. Yeah. Yeah. And it like it raises the stakes. She can't just lie about stuff and get away with exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, you take away like the key thing to do <coughs> in a who done it when you done it. You know? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But um I, yeah, I guess last comment I have regarding the structure is given that like yeah, you find out very early uh how the victim died uh and over and throughout the thing you keep getting all these reveals. You have so many reveals about what's actually happening. The death, the medicine, the, the uh, like, Ransom's uh, input on everything. That The various, yeah. Yeah. And, and not just Ransom, but, like, also everyone else had some beef with exactly. Grandpa that night. And, yeah. I, and I was so, like, worried going through the whole movie that, like, we are getting so many reveals that there's going to be nothing left to reveal at the end and we're not going to get a good parlor scene. Mm -hmm. The part where the detective comes out and 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 explains what happened everything yeah and we got the best parlor scene <laughs> yeah word and, and i'm just like ryan johnson please keep breaking movies i'm not kidding i want ryan johnson to make star trek i want him to do it i want him to break it because Hon right now honestly he'd, he'd be good for star trek like maybe yes. maybe he might not have been a good fit for star wars that is debatable i i really liked last jedi but Same. i'm also willing to admit my lack of connection to Star Wars might make me less critical of it. Yeah. But Star Trek, that's up his alley, yeah. Yeah. It, it just uh, I just keep thinking back to 1982 when they were making a new Star Trek movie. They're like, well, the first one we made sucked because the person in charge made the movie. 
and he just wanted to do what he wanted to do. Let's hire someone who hates Star Trek, and they made the best Star Trek movie. And <laughs> in my eyes, Last Jedi was the first movie that made me like, okay, I'm interested in this, and I'm like, please, Ryan Johnson, break everything I love. <laughs> Please do it. I want to see you do it because you broke the whodunit and Knives Out is so good. I never thought I could see another whodunit that I cared about. I, and this was so yeah, good. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say he broke the whodunit. I think he, he recreated the whodunit exactly as it was in, in its prime, you know? Yeah. Like, he it, just did a good one. We yeah. just see lots of bad mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe but we should probably we move on from Knives Out. Yeah, yeah I would say, Chad, uh, you, uh, Austin, do you okay, have something else? I got or? one more thing that'll just take like okay, two seconds, yeah. literally, because we can't have anything to say about this. Otherwise, you guys are psychic. Okay. Um, <laughs> we recently got an announcement in December that was kind of encouraging that uh, the new From Software game Elden Ring is allegedly scheduled to be released in June of this year. Oh, mm-hmm. shit. That's, of, yeah. that, that's exciting. So that's something. I really but that's li- all I re- the information. I that's really like Sekiro, so... Yeah. 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 No, I yeah. I'm excited as well, but yeah. I you know there's just that it is what it is. Yeah, I was thinking about getting Sek- uh, Sekiro because uh, I just tried starting Dark Souls as I told Austin, and I'm not super enjoying it, but I'm enjoying some other Souls-like games, so I might yeah. get it a shot. I got some Xbox credit. Anyway, chowder. How okay. you doing? What you got? Shout out. Yeah, I got, I got a few like uh, small things that I don't think should take too long. Uh, for, first of all, uh, uh, too bad Waluigi time finally uh, came, came out. Uh, it's been released to Kickstarter Kickstarter backers. Uh, so so let me explain. Uh, in two thousand, <laughs> yes, that's that's why I'm explaining. <laughs> uh, in two thousand eight, there was a webcomic series called uh, a Brawl in the Family that ran until. 2014 it was basically about kirby dd meta knight and the rest of the characters from super smash bros brawl and it's oh, like all in the family yeah yeah oh, and God. and uh and it's basically just a, a series of like gagaday uh comic strips uh usually four panels but some of some of these can get pretty ambitious uh it it was one of my uh favorite uh web comics because it, it was just genuinely funny genuinely uh uh genuinely clever and uh and you know when it ke- finally came to an end i was I was kind of sad. Uh, happy that uh, happy that it ended on a high note, but also just kind of sad that it's all come to an end. But in 2018, he uh, he uh, announced that he was gonna make uh, make a book called "Too Bad Waluigi Time," based around a certain based around a running gag of like or uh, once a year Waluigi hijacking the comic to like just be fucking weird and. Uh, and it was successfully uh, kickstarted, and it uh, and it finally uh, just released. There were some uh, technical difficulties uh, in the creation of it, but it's here. It's genuinely <laughs> it's genuinely funny. I really like it. Uh, so there's that. The other the other thing I wanted to talk, or the second thing I wanted to talk about was uh, I actually talked about this in a previous common briefing program episode, but uh, the D and D the dr- Dungeons and Dragons supplement Witchcraft is finally yeah, out. It's very it's cool. Fi- yeah, it's finally out. Uh it's <clears throat> and you know, I've got a digital copy of it. Uh nice. And you know, eventually I'm going to get a physical copy that's being shipped to me. Uh and it's really good. It's got really interesting spells. The crafting system is super in-depth. Like a lot of the bo- a good chunk of the book is dedicated to that uh crafting system. Mm-hmm. And it's <laughs> nice. got and it's 
co- also comes with this super neat character sheet that's like really good. It's like easy to read, easy to easy <laughs> to figure out where things are. I like it. Unlike I, the actual D and D five E character sheet, sometimes cool is yeah. No, unrelated note. I came across a dis D and D character sheet made for dyslexic people, and even if you're not dyslexic, oh, it's really good. It's much more clear and easy to read, and it's like this should just be the standard. Yeah, send that to <laughs> me because I want it. That's a ugh, it's. Mm. Uh, I I'm enjoying Dungeons and Dragons as Dice Populi might be evidence <laughs> of, but man, I don't like having to like actually do care. Maybe that's why I, I DM so much because i i hate filling out character sheets and having to be like what's my what's my intimidation yeah so. yeah yeah here's the thing i like creating characters but like that char- the character sheet is just dense and kind of a pain in the ass to read even though there's not it's quite simple it's just laid out weird uh so yeah again witchcraft it's out it's pretty damn good i even talked about it briefly in uh ryan's episode on epic Eber, uh, Ryan's Common Geeking Program episode on Eberron. Oh yeah, that'll be coming out soon. Yeah. It's very uh, cool. So yeah, there we go. And my last one, and this is like just today, but like, or just today as we're recording this, but like mm-hmm. Dragon Quest, uh, Dragon Quest, your story is, uh, is looking, looking like it's going to be released on Netflix. Dragon Quest, your story is a animated adaptation of Dragon Quest V. Uh, it's, uh, it's coming out in Japan, but, like, you know, there's been no word of, like, any kind of, like, Western release. It, I'm uh, is, is Dragon Quest a game that I am blanking on? It, it's a JRPG. It's, yeah, okay. It's, I, yeah, it's a I know pretty you, large. Yep, it's, I know what you're talking like, about. Like, yeah, the Dragon Quest games, uh, while Westerners may not be too familiar because of a history of, like, games <clears> not coming out in the West, <clears> it <throat> is one of the most important, uh, yeah. games that have been made. Like, a lot of, like, uh, gaming iconography and just role-playing game stuff in general takes its DNA from Dragon Quest. So uh, there's that. And also, the movie just on its own looks fucking gorgeous. Like, look up a tra- trailer for <laughs> Dragon Quest Your Story. It's like, goddamn breathtaking. It's like, I, it's it's a CG, it's a CG animation and it's mm-hmm. uh, really creative, really just... Is there, like, another, like, style uh, that you could, like, compare it to just off the cuff? I don't know if there's, like, another movie or, or show that uh, you think it looks similar to. I I guess if I had to do it right off, right on the fly, it'd be, like, uh, How to Train Your Dragon mm-hmm. if it was done in, like, in the same CGI as the new Lupin the Third movie is being made. But uh, that probably doesn't explain okay. it to you because you don't know what Lupin the Actually, Third is. Actually, that works for me. I'm happy Austin is having an enriching experience. Uh, m- <laughs> well, <laughs> that's well, okay. I'm sorry, but, but no, like my, my ultimate point is, CGI animation has kind of always been pigeon-told as gotta look like Pixar for so long. But it, yeah. it with like Spider Verse and Lupin the Third and Dragon Quest Your Story and many other movies, it looks like it's it's starting to like really get creative yeah. and really and I. And I'm just excited for Dragon Quest Your Story, and I'm happy that it is coming on Netflix, making it easier for me to watch. That's very good. Yeah, things being on Netflix uh, certainly lowers barrier for entry, because (laughs) Six Underground, the Michael Bay Ryan Reynolds movie, had more viewers than most theatrical movies this year. But having seen it, and it's a fun movie, having seen it, uh, if that were in theaters, it would not be doing as... It's like Bird Box (laughs) all over again. Like, look at all these viewers! And we're like, okay, Netflix, have have fun with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I don't. Also 
fuck Bird Box. Yeah, that was a movie that was where terrible. It's such a cool plot that was completely undermined by its own structure. Yeah, like yeah. the movie. Yeah. There, there are ways to tell that story <laughs> that are good, and the and book it's might like, be the way to do it. But the and movie like this is the second not. try at making that plot work. Like, what was it? That that M Night Shyamalan movie, The Happening, that had the same plot. You know, like some mysterious thing is, or was it The Happening? Yeah, no, The Happening. That was different because in Bird Box, it's it's mystery creatures that if you look at them, you go crazy. And you know what? That's a like that concept freaks me out in that, a way that most until you don't. see the fucking action figures they made of the monsters. The baby heads yeah. were so dumb. Like, but in The Happening, yeah, yeah, it, no, was, it was plants retaliating against humans. It was okay, plants. okay, but like take away the thing causing it Uh it's still a it's still like people are mysteriously killing themselves elves and it's like yeah oh yeah that's a really scary concept why is everyone committing suicide all of a sudden yeah there's a way to do it that doesn't deflate it but bird box was not it anyway that was december of 2018 so i'm gonna i'm gonna get us back 2018 uh yeah, oh, that, wait, that, we're that talking about Bird Box. Okay. Yeah, Bird Sorry. Box. So yeah. I'm, uh, the happening was 2008. Austin, what is this you're holding in front of the camera? Is it? I can't. Is it a bag? Is it a rabbit? What is it? Yeah, it's a bag, but it has an eyeball. Oh, okay. From the. I love it. Okay, I'm. <laughs> I'm so easily distracted on this podcast. Uh, anyway. Um, I don't have a lot of big news to talk about. There's a chance that our good friend Ryan Mossbarger might be able to join us in time for our uh, hearty, positive uh, Rise of Skywalker discussion. But uh, just to pad out the time, I've got one or two things to talk about before we oh, jump I'm in. I'm positive about my opinion <laughs> of this movie. Of this wonderful piece of cinema. Uh, the, uh, the Xbox has gotten some news, uh, which is what the next Xbox is going to be. A little while ago, we heard about the PS5 and everyone was like, yep, that was unsurprising. Uh, but people were surprised by what is going to be called the Xbox Series X. Oh, that's such a stupid name. It's, it's it's a bad name. Xbox does have a name problem. It does have a name problem. This is just like historical. It is. Do you know why that name problem exists? (laughs) Why? Because the PlayStation came out, and then the PlayStation 2 came out around the same time as the Xbox. So when it came time to make a new Xbox, we knew it was also going to be time for a new PlayStation. So we had the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 2. 3 is higher than 2, but what's higher than 2? 360. And that I always thought they named it that because, like, they were basic. Because, like, at the time, the Wii was called the Nintendo Revolution. It was, yeah. Xbox 360. Like, you can see it with the Xbox. GameCube, Xbox. Box. Yeah, well, the the Xbox was also named because of the uh, the actual codec used for graphics in Windows, which was DirectX. Right. It was DirectX 11, and they were like, we're going to make a box that runs DirectX. But anyway, none of that's <laughs> fucking really the case anymore because consoles are PCs now. Consoles are PCs with limited interfaces. And that is extremely apparent with the Xbox Series X, which is named as such because they're finally doing what Phil Spencer said a few years ago, which is they're treating consoles like smartphones. Odds are, we are not just getting one Xbox in 2020. Are they going to steal more data? Uh, probably, because <sighs> Microsoft is is proving just as, you know, more yeah. dubious as every other uh, computer company. But they make Halo, so I'm a slave. And the yeah. the Xbox Series X... 
may be accompanied by an Xbox Series S, we're guessing, meaning like how you have the iPhone and the iPhone Pro, or you have your, your Galaxies and your Galaxy Notes, like you have the two tiers based on power, where at the core they are the same thing, but one is a more powerful version, which is already what consoles are doing. But it looks like they're fix they're setting the naming convention where it's just Xbox again, but the series will denote its caliber. And I'm okay with that, because, I mean, yeah. at this point, the, the Microsoft is blurring the PC and console market markets so hard, which I think is the thing that needs to happen. Um, but with uh, the Xbox Series X, it's backwards and forwards compatible with everything Xbox One. What people mostly took notice of is the fact that it looks it was, like a wall. It's it is it is a tall rectangle. Like it doesn't it doesn't go. You can lay it down sideways, but the way that they orient it in the ads, it just looks like you know uh, like a one by two rectangle. Like you just took two obsidian blocks in Minecraft and then drew an <laughs> Xbox logo on it. Um, it's not even going to be that big. Like if you look at the scale of the pictures, it's like two Xbox controllers stacked on top of each other. Mm. But it's it's unconventional. Uh, it wait, which, which Xbox controllers are we talking about here? We're talking. We're about not talking Duke? about the Duke. No. We're not talking about the Duke. No, the, <laughs> the Duke was a controller so large it required four people to operate. Um, <laughs> the birth of couch co-op. That's a bad joke. So the new Xbox and the new PlayStation. From what we can tell, they're going to be extremely similar. There are finally rumors about what the okay. actual specs are going to be, but I think they've said the graphical output of the One X. Of the uh, sorry of the Series X is going to be around 12 to 14 teraflops, and it's going to be able to output to 8K and support real-time ray tracing. Okay, but to get back Yay. to the important thing, yes, with this new Xbox, mm -hmm. I can more easily integrate it mm -hmm. into my living space potentially by yes. putting it into a 2001: A Space Odyssey diorama. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, we have to just set up some mics and EQ in your living room to drop out all the sound and play some really loud music. Um, so, exactly. So, uh, I mean, like, I'm reasonably excited for it. It, it's, it. it seems as though, because the last decade in gaming isn't really what anyone expected. Like, a lot of people expected more motion controls, more VR, and, and like, AI in games that you could converse with realistically. But really what's changed is how games are, like, distributed and supported. Yeah. And it, and, yeah. And it really has been, like, a significant revolution. Um, and also, I mean, like, it's not just the... I mean, I guess this is connected to the distribution. But, again, what we, we've talked about before is that, like, there has been this huge uptick in games as subscription services. Yeah. Like, the games themselves. Yeah. That, yeah that, that's uh, annoying. I just want to buy something and enjoy it and not... Uh, have and, the opportunity yeah. to do other things. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, which is kind of why Hell I like the decade. Switch because mm -hmm. you know the, a lot of the games are just kind of uh, self-contained. You know. Yeah, and and that's that that's definitely something I still enjoy too. I like my service games because it's nice to always have a thing to go back to. It's hard to have a forever game when you've beaten it 30, 40, or in my case, yeah. 70, 80 times, and and go back and do it again. So it is nice to have that baseline for. I presume Austin and myself, Destiny, is is a forever game in that way. But I've also, especially with Game Pass on Xbox, I have been, like, finding indies that I never would have found. Yeah. Right now, I'm, like, really deep in a game called Wander Song, which, Chowder, you would fucking love. It's oh, just man. cute. 
it's this cute cartoony side scroller like if south park was actually for kids the way that everything is cut out but you're mm. a bard and you sing and singing is the way you interact with the world it's a lot of color and sound matching i'm sold and, i love and it there's already. no real combat it's it's so wonderful and funny um jedi fallen order was a great game the surge is fun uh and from software revolutionized you know third person action adventure games in yeah. in a way that's like revitalizing uh your small games as well as like your assassin's creed like assassin's creed is taking a step in that direction and odyssey's the best one i've played in years so i i i don't think i don't think it's dead i think games are getting weird again um just because we it's now easy for people to make a game and put it out there yeah. But it's yeah, expensive as fuck to support a live service game. Yeah, so that's so, only going to happen by the big boys. Yeah, uh, something that's interesting to me is uh, the rise of like mid-level developers. Like, yeah. like you know, yeah. a few years ago, it was only ever just uh, small indie dudes and, then and your triple giant triple A's, and uh, and like that's just like all or nothing. Like you're either re t really tiny or just too big to like try anything risky but like it wasn't always like that you know like 10 15 years ago there used to be devs who were doing like small mid-level projects or not small but like middle level projects that aren't quite as big as the big triple yeah. a's but not as small as the tiny in indie stuff yeah uh, and, you know and, like yeah where would we say that Telltale Games fell on this scale? I would say that they were they were around mid. They weren't a super large studio yeah, at they first. Were not that big. They grew to uh, be like two hundred, which is fairly large. But uh, no, they weren't like, big. But they they broke out in in a way yeah, that was unexpected. I wasn't really thinking about Telltale though. I was thinking of like uh, Ninja Ninja Theory with their. Uh, Hellblade. Mm -hmm. I just and, that, uh, I just started playing yeah. that. And yeah, I'm, no, I, I'm pretty so impressed. I, I was just thinking about um as you were talking about this, I was just thinking about Telltale in terms of like what can happen to these sort of mid level studios, right? Yeah. And I know like there have been <clears throat> some problems with larger studios uh, recently, mm -hmm. giving like ha giving time crunches for uh, being monsters their uh, their workers and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but. Yeah, um back to back to yeah. Hellblades though. But yeah, you know, but but more or less I think what I'm curious about with this next generation of consoles is the only new feature on the horizon for like the next decade that seems to have serious legs um is uh cloud streaming, which has been around for a long time for games, but it's it's finally starting uh, to be embraced in ways. We have Stadia which has not been a resounding success. I um, I, I I really hope cloud or cloud streaming and stadia doesn't pick off because that means less power in the hands of the devs and the consumer because yeah. like think about what spotify has done to music yep and that's what stadia is trying to do they're trying to be spotify for video games and that's just not good yeah and for all the things that you know you can ding microsoft for the attitude that phil spencer has put forth with xbox play anywhere and with xbox game pass makes me think that like if if you just take this the very pro-consumer stance of the xbox ecosystem right now and just throw cloud streaming in there i think that works i think what doesn't work about sata is exactly what you said how it's it's all blocked off there's not a flex a lot of flexibility and then what's been dinging a lot of people is the lack of uh support for games and features that they thought yeah. were going to be there up front but and um also, yeah i really don't know how it's uh, going to pan out yeah and also i've said this before in the uh in the uh, World of Tomorrow episode, but mm -hmm. uh, Stadia seems to misunderstand the state of technology right now. It really like, does. Like, like, Stadia seems to be under impression that we don't have access to good tech, but like unlimited bandwidth. When 
people yeah. have the opposite issue. We have supercomputers yeah. in our goddamn pockets, yep. but uh, yeah, but our internet. bandwidth has been like cut up by all ol- ol- oligarchies, and uh, and yeah, yeah, our in- our internet infrastructure is shit. We we, yeah. we have the opposite problem here. Hey, <laughs> Ryan Johnson, something. if you're listening, could you make a whodunit that subtly explains this sort <laughs> of power imbalance with internet access? Thank you. Uh, no, I agree with you completely. It's, uh, it's can I, I need you to uh, have a fictionalized version of Agit Pai pay for his crimes? <laughs> <laughs> Get that big fucking Reesey mug out of here. Um, but yeah, no, I just wanted to Goddamn talk Goddamn rice trader. Yeah, yeah, we got we got to <laughs> We got a, I think we got a strange decade coming up, and I really have no idea what it's going to be like because, man, the the teens shit. were a bit of a Last surprise. Last decade was already strange as shit. It was, this yeah. Go- yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're going to move on to uh, the final course of our meal here. Oh, God. Now, um, there was a film that released uh, December of 2020 that concluded... Star Wars Episode Nine: Palpatine fucks. Palpatine fucks. Um, so, Star Wars Episode yep. Nine: uh, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, concludes the Skywalker saga, which is all the numbered films in the franchise. But if you don't Although know that, they're... then you're not listening to this podcast. So, <laughs> um, I just want to give you guys... Like a like a minute or so, raw feelings, raw impressions doesn't have to be totally coherent. Fire away. Okay. Um. So so <laughs> so. Uh. Oh boy. <laughs> um. Well, see. The emotional state of Austin Liebers. Uh. Okay. Well. Uh, so. <laughs> Here's, here's one thing. I'm gonna try to focus on one part of this. Okay. Just like a little little thing about some of the them- the themes and messages mm-hmm. of Star Wars overall. Okay. I'm not gonna talk about how Palpatine fucks. But <laughs> just, we're gonna get there. I know. So it's been Austin. It's inevitable. Because so the the the, the t- first two trilogies had been the story of uh, the Skywalkers. Correct. Correct. It's the 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 original trilogy is the story of Luke and friends saving a galaxy. The original trilogy is the development of Luke's old dad the into that trilogy. big evil boy trilogy? with the voice yeah. that we all know and love. Yeah. And now, well, this trilogy, we're like, it's not about the Skywalkers. I mean, there are Skywalkers in it, but they're like supporting characters and they do their things. And then, oh, they've got a they've got a son now. Who's that's a that's a weird thing. Don't like that, Adam Driver. You're very good at playing bad men. <laughs> um, and, but then at the end of this movie, it's like actually. Uh, so at the end of the last movie, right? We thought, oh, uh, we we had this nice trajectory for the character of Ray, where it was like she's just someone who walked out of a desert planet, which was not Tatooine. It was Jakku. Very important. To totally different. Absol- like absolutely Tatooine. nothing common. No. Yeah, like, but I, I did like that to, like, that was sarcasm, this character by the who's way. a nobody, draw parallels with Luke and be like, she can master the Force, too. Uh, we can, like, all of, there's, like, this endless possibility for what this individual can do in her life. And it's not because, uh, you know, she had some great destiny, but because she chose to do things yeah. that to help people. But actually no, it's just cuz uh, cuz Palpatine, Palpatine fucks. fucks and she's Palpatine's little Exactly. Little yeah. All right. And, and it's like which all... I think is what what yeah. you got what you got chatter fire it, away. 
it's a lot of squandered potential. Like you see all these things that are begging to be awesome. Like like Finn should have been one of the most interesting characters. I mean, Stormtrooper right. turned rebel, possibly force sensitive. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. But whether you choose Seems to like go, he is either that or he just makes a lot of lucky guesses. Yeah, like whether whether you choose to ascribe to that or not, he is the most interesting character. You know, in a better in a better timeline, he probably would have uh, had an entire story arc of like a getting the stormtroopers to rebel against the very empire that created them but no we just have him spend two and a half hours going Ray! yeah Ray, yeah, come on Ray! pretty much Ray! So- which is kind of a waste of his character of like his acting capability i mean i i will say i did enjoy all of the interactions between John Boyega and Oscar Isaac on they, screen. They should have just been boyfriends. Together. They just should have been boyfriends, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, sure. and, and it's not like this universe has ever addressed, like, binary gender roles in, in much of a specific way, aside maybe from some stuff in the prequels. But, like, they could have just had them like each other and, like, just not said anything about it and just focus on the fact that the performance of those two actors was endearing in a way i'm okay that they didn't do that but the stuff they did in nine felt a little no homo in a way that was kind of like yeah yeah like suddenly giving uh suddenly giving poe like an old flame from his past or yeah 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 but anyway i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna start dropping my opinions and before anyone gets (laughs) angry at me please remember i'm a star trek fan you can't like just take everything i say with however much salt you want but I do think I'm a reasonable and discerning viewer. So let's say a couple things. One, Last Jedi. I like it. I like it. But I know that there are a lot of problems with it. And a lot of people didn't like how it didn't answer questions from Seven. One thing, Ryan Johnson wrote the movie before Seven came out. So, like, get over that. He like he was just doing what he did with Knives Out. I'm going to do something unique because it, it tells a different story. But I also think that a lot of those questions in Episode Eight, like... Uh, Kylo telling Rey, you're nothing. You come from nowhere. You're nothing except to me. Like, those kinds of things that are nothing answers, I think the effectiveness of those, I said at the time, was like, it depends on how Nine follows it up. And... For the most part, I don't think Nine... Nine Nine follows it up by going... (laughs) The thing is, I don't even think that Nine was the rebuke of Episode Eight that everyone thought it was. I think that, like, most of the things they did... Jeff. Uh, yeah, I thought that I thought that episode nine when like uh, when she goes back to the, the Jedi temple on the island whose name I forgot, Skellig Michael IRL, uh, and Luke is like the lightsaber is the most important weapon. People are like, hey, that's he he didn't say that in the last movie. They're erasing it. No, he grew in the he ended the last movie by saying the Jedi will continue like he, he grew. He changed. Yeah. So a lot of those little <laughs> slights and drama about nine, I don't think are the problem. The problem is yeah. this is the first Star Wars film since the Phantom Menace that was fucking inscrutable, that was jumping from plot point to plot point so quickly that you didn't have room to breathe, that there was no resonance for everything, and all the questions that you have that are interesting, how did that ship get the desert? Oh my God, is Chewie fucking dead? Like, these things really needed room to breathe, and it did not have them. Also, it was just like like Chewie. Damn it. And, it was and just like, like someone made a glass, a colorful glass beaded necklace and then dropped it on the floor and broke it and then like <laughs> tried to pick up the pieces and put it into, yeah. put it, it's yeah. just, yeah. Uh, And it's, it's like, it's, it's like relying so much on like things the audience would know and care about, but like wouldn't actually make sense in the actual <clears throat> story itself. Like, uh-huh. you know, the whole bit where like Palpatine's like, do it, 
kill me, right? And you will ascend the throne to Seth Lord status. And yeah. it's like, or how he literally quotes himself from yes. episode three. Yeah. Yes, and, and it and it does. Yeah, and it makes no sense because like. Ray can just kill him and walk away. There's nothing stopping her from doing yeah. that. Well, she does exactly okay. just that. The, the thing is, this could this could pull from episode three in a way that works well because mirroring what he said to Anakin that caused Anakin to fall and didn't cause Luke to fall in episode six that is poignant, but it did nothing. It did nothing in this film to set up understandable stakes. There's no comprehension of of what Ray has to do. Like Anakin to fight and Luke this. were like under different circumstances exactly Ray doesn't have yeah. that to deal with that you know uh, uh also like uh well what i want to talk about again uh i mean also like oh, that oh, scene, oh wait yeah the, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. Uh, at, at the end we're like ray's someone's like what is your name and ray's like ray you know, that's the music that on. played that's under exactly the moment she was like <laughs> all right austin do you you want to go ahead with your point <laughs> yeah it's just like the the fucking stakes i mean f- it's the st- it influences the stakes for that scene, but just the entire fucking decision to start off the movie because I know they do this, mm-hmm. and this is how the title cards work. Yep, they introduce stuff in them. The title so the, card and- in this movie was so wild. Um, yeah, but like they're like also Palpatine's back, yep. guys, and everyone was like, well, I I don't I was like I don't know what everyone else in the theater was thinking because we were being good moviegoers, mm-hmm. but I was just I I could not believe that. Like that that's something that you thought would make this a compelling movie. It, yeah. Like it, it, it kind of deflates everything. <laughs> and the thing is the reveal of Palpatine could be cool. I think I know what happened there. If they filmed it. Yeah. If they explained yes. it instead of just saying, Oh hey, he sent out a radio. Yeah, it's in broadcast. the it's all caps in the first paragraph of the title crawl. But I think I know what happened there, which is JJ um also directed a film called Star Trek into Darkness, uh, where <laughs> they cast Benedict Cumberbatch as <clears throat> as Khan Noonien Singh, the classic Star Trek yeah. villain. And everyone was like, oh, you cast Benedict Cumberbatch as Khan. And he's like, no, no, he didn't. It's a surprise. <laughs> and then everyone was like, no, we know what it is. And the movie came out, and it's like, okay, yeah, we all knew what it was. And I, I feel like the Palpatine out of the way and in the advertising was maybe an overcorrection from that. And it definitely yeah. removed any interesting aspect of it. Even if it leaked, we could still see the story. Yeah, the way they introduced Palpatine was bullshit. It was just in the text crawl at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like we, no, we, we, Star Wars, we, yeah, we just went episode over nine, Rise of Skywalker. Palpatine yep. is back, and he fucks. Cool. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about one or two other quick things before I actually have a bit of news on this that I'm I'm interested to get your takes on. Uh, okay. First things first, quick verdict: the Leia scenes reconstituted from footage of the deceased actress film for Episode yeah. Seven. Yeah, uh, that, uh, Austin and I disagree about the morality of this, but that, that made terms, me uncomfortable. Putting putting aside <laughs> the ethical side of it, just looking at the scenes themselves, just look at look at the writing, the acting, the performance, and the composition of those scenes. Those scenes are bad. Those scenes really they awkward. don't make sense. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's weird too because it's like they filmed those scenes right and the way that they filmed them was in a in such a way that they were able to use leia's face as little as possible Mm -hmm. it looks like they had um but you know what i don't i don't know about like the whole production schedule or whatever but it just seems to me that maybe they didn't maybe they could have had like a Leia's death scene far earlier in the movie and that would have had some like emotional impact instead of watching us look at this very wooden scene yeah. Yeah. where things are said and things happen the, but, like, like the scene with weird jump in the very beginning of the movie when 
uh, Leia gives a lightsaber to Rey, and then Rey gives it back to Leia, and then Leia gives it back to Rey, and within the span of a minute, they're handing it back and forth. It's just that was that was the first moment in the movie where I was like, oh no, oh it's it's <laughs> where it's it's on its way down. It just doesn't make sense. Um, okay, another quick thing. I want your opinions on this. Chewie blowed up, then Chewie alive. So fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, How, like, I, yes, because uh, it's it's basically in Kingdom Hearts when like <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 2, Austin knows what I'm talking about. When Goofy, quote unquote, dies, you know, there's like a moment where like Donald's like uh, going, oh, Goofy, no. And and Mickey Mouse like looks to the sky angrily. He like pulls off his cloak and goes, they'll pay for this. And and they'll like swears blood this. and swears bloody vengeance to the heartless and. Then, like, five minutes later, Goofy's back, he's alive, he's okay, yeah. and we, we just don't talk about that, it ever again. That was the moment when I realized I I kind of hated the movie. And the thing is, and it's the same guy who wrote yeah. Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Uh, oh, which, that so explains that, a lot. It does. But the thing is, that's, <laughs> that's a bad movie, but I like it. And this was a bad movie, but I liked it. Like, I have fun. Honestly, all the big stuff, like the Palpatine fucks, doesn't really bother me. The ba- the basic plot doesn't bother me. It is just so poorly executed. I have one last little bullet point I want to get your opinions on, and this might spark a bit more of a conversation. Okay. Uh, at the end of the movie, uh, Ray defeats uh, Palpatine because yes. she has two lightsabers. Cool. Whatever. Uh, and then yeah, that's, Adam that's Driver. twice as powerful as one. It is. So Darth Maul was onto something. And then uh, uh, Kylo Ren, now Ben Solo, having shirked the dark side, he oh runs up. God. He's a fucking fascist. And he revives her, and then they kiss, and then he dies. Uh, I hate it so much! <laughs> okay, that's what I want to see. Okay, so, Chowder, why, very quick, give me 30 seconds. Why do you hate that moment? Oh, boy. Okay, so first of all, Ray, or not Ray, uh, Kylo Ren does nothing to, like, actually redeem himself, so he, that's, like, completely unearned. Second of all, uh, they it's just so awkward for them to kiss. At all. They've been killing each other. The characters have no chemistry. They've been trying to kill each other for the entirety of the trilogy. So, like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck? Second of all. Like, their entire... So, I've never heard Shadow speak so quickly. starts off uh, as, like, it's completely adversarial. Yeah. And then they become, like, a little bit curious about each other. And that's where it stops. Yes. And also, also, it just reeks of, like, a white dude feeling insecure about himself. Because it's, like them trying to cut the black guy and it's like what the fuck (laughs) all right oh my god so i'm gonna come in with my little bit here i actually didn't mind that moment mostly because i didn't read the kiss as like a deep romance i read it as just i read it as in like intimacy like they don't know who each other is what is going on but they are drawn to each other whatever the fuck a force dyad is because they didn't explain that either but like i i was okay with that because to me it felt like it matched their performance in like last jedi when they're having these force conversations if they were in the same room i could see two fucking awkward pasty white teenagers trying to try a smooch uh but like they died and it's they're not awkward pasty white teenagers but they are this whole thing is about that um okay so also yes adam driver over john boyega like don't get me wrong adam driver pretty (laughs) okay looking Adam Driver. John Boyega? My John dude. Boyega, very good looking dude. Adam Driver seems to have the Benedict Cumberbatch effect. Uh, as summed up best in the SNL sketch starring Benedict Cumberbatch, where they play a game show called Why is Benedict Cumberbatch Hot? And they're all just but trying like, to explain it. Like, it. Yeah, I'm not saying that I, I, um, I have that feeling, but a lot of people do. Um... So, I want to get to the one little bit of news that, and I want to see where this conversation goes. This is a rumor 
This is not completely substantiated, but there is a Reddit called r slash saltier than crate, the planet, the salt planet at the end of uh, Last Jedi. It's basically a place for salty yeah. Star Wars posts. Uh- Oh, all oh, right, like yeah. like the planet where like the one dude yeah. was, like puts his finger was, on the ground. That was an excellent like, fight scene. Another salt. thing, I did not like the lightsaber fight scenes in this movie. Yeah. They were not that exciting. But sorry, continue. So there, uh, uh, apparently, an anonymous person closely uh, involved in the production via a third party company said that Disney wrested a lot of creative control from JJ, insisted on Emperor Palpatine. So that's where that idea came from cut 40 minutes out of the movie and basically is like made all these cuts we don't know if this I is true i believe that they cut 40 minutes out of that i movie. believe it because there's 40 the minutes fucking missing definitely and and i understand the fear of having one that's too that was kind of a complaint about last jedi and a complaint i share which is the pacing like it it has the lord of the rings problem where like this ended 30 minutes ago why is it still going but, yeah, but like the Lord of the Rings, you have like the whole excuse of we had to adapt it. Yeah, exactly. This one is you wrote it for the screen. Yeah, idiots. so I, I want to compare this to another big Disney three hour film that came out this year. Avengers Endgame. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. I think Avengers Endgame showed you can have your pile of fan service. You can have your let's just give them the masturbatory stuff they want to feel good. But also, here's a story. Like, the first two hours of Avengers Endgame is a lot of story. And I'm very curious if this is true, what kind of movie could we have gotten because jj like for all, for any shortcomings he has he's a competent filmmaker he knows how to make a film that flows and feels good and this doesn't so the, it it feels like a true rumor to me but whether or not it pans out i just don't know if you guys have thoughts about that especially with the contrast uh, to Endgame earlier this year i i yeah. wouldn't be surprised if that was the case i also wouldn't be surprised if jj <laughs> abrams was at fault I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I, I, what I'm saying is I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way yeah. because I'm not a mind reader and I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm just not going to yeah. be like, oh, it's all this guy's fault. Fuck him. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'll still say fuck it. <laughs> the, um... Yeah, for, for me, it's it's very much like, again, like, with Star Wars, I generally don't care which way the, the plot goes. Like, I am i don't care that Rey is Palpatine's granddaughter. That's fine with me. I care that the movies are fun to watch, and this one, while fun, was, like, again, riddled with so many structural issues that uh, I would like to see one that doesn't end the series with such a whimper. Because yeah. at least when Last Jedi came out... People were arguing about the film. And Ryan Johnson goes on record saying that those are the movies he wants to make. He says, I want half the people to love it, half the people to hate it. That's the kind of movie I want to make. And you know what? Fucking success. Uh, And Uh, and, and, and nobody's even talking about this movie. It's deflated. It's empty. And people are just like, "Eh, whatever. Yeah. 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 It's like shitty. That's I don't know. It's like Disney charm. Yeah. It's like this is what we're letting them be in a monopoly for. This is. Like, if, th- if we're going to have bread and circuses, let these be good bread and circuses, you know? Exactly. Seriously. <laughs> and, and it's interesting. And I wonder what's going on at, a, like, a hierarchical level because clearly the same execs that allowed Endgame to be what it is also allowed Star Wars to be what it is. And I'm wondering, like, is this all Kathleen Kennedy's fault? I know you said you don't want to blame it on one person, but is this all Kathleen Kennedy's fault? I don't, I don't know. Like, a it lot of the blowback be. against Kathleen Kennedy seems all misogynistic. But also, it could be Kathleen Kennedy. But again, I don't want to put blame on anyone because who the fuck knows what happened. Yeah. And also, a lot of the shit, a lot of blaming Kathleen Kennedy just feels like it's coming from a bunch of internet randos 
looking yeah. at the one Rather woman and like blaming her. You a know? place of knowledge. Yeah. yeah. No, I um I had yeah. a lot of faith in her until this film, and now I'm just kind of like, okay. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Red Letter Media or Plinkett, but they made their name on these crazy Star Wars video essays on the prequels, and they're mm-hmm. still doing oh, it boy. now, and they are very insightful film reviewers that are worth your time. It's like worth your time. It's worth your time to look at it, but it's just like, like their their reviews on the uh, prequel trilogy are longer than the actual prequel trilogy itself. I think. Yeah. Oh my. But Lord. they they open your eyes to things in a way that you don't expect. They're very good, and it's just like ah, I, I I think that if you look at it from that perspective, like it's it's they they tend to know where to point the blame when a movie goes wrong like this. Yeah. And even with this movie, there was such a sense of whatever, like who cares? So I'm yeah. interested to see yeah, how this the... rumor pans out, but also, yeah, but like also, there just seems to be like a lot of uncomfortable uh, stuff, like like with how they how Rose Tico just like got cut down to like a that... minute of screen time, and it's like. Uh, uh, it's like uh, it feels like they're capitulating to like racist I, bad I, boys. I had the same vibe. Chris Terrio, the writer, put out. He uh, explained it in a way that I on I find believable, and it's obviously up to everybody to to judge for themselves. But um, he said like we had a problem with Leia, where the dialogue for these scenes was written for Episode Seven. Um, so we needed some way to ground it in this movie, and Rose Tico was chosen as the proxy. And what ends up happening is because they're compositing a shot of an actor shot a couple years ago with a shot in a movie today there were some scenes that visually did not meet the standard and then if the rumors are true that they they were producers hacking down the movie i i i don't know that 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 explanation holds water to me and it's very unfortunate because even though like i didn't like, I didn't care about the payoff at the end of Last Jedi between those characters. I liked Rose, and I think she's a great performer. And I think the yeah. blowback she got after Last Jedi was horrendous and unsubstantiated. Wild. So um, yeah. it seems to me like, you know, wrong thing for the right reason sort of deal, which is – I, I buy that explanation. I know a lot of people won't, but it made sense to me. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much going on in this movie yeah. that we could talk about. And, like – Okay, I, I do want to point out – multiple dimensions of how – it's bad, but yeah. yeah, what did you want to go to? Okay, so like the final lines of the movie, you know, someone's like, What is your name? And Ray's like, It's Ray. <laughs> oh. She looks to the right and she goes, Ray Skywalker. And there are a million problems with that. One, it's just corny as shit. But two, why was she in Tatooine anyways? Because like, to put, yeah, to, yeah, to close her the, for, to put the lightsaber close back. For, for close, yeah. close her for Luke and Leia, but like Luke's memory of Tatooine is of a slave planet and also the place where his uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt What's-Her-Name died yeah, horribly, burning to death. And for and Anakin, li- it's the place where his mother was kept a slave and she died and he murdered a bunch of people and it turned him to the dark side. And Leia And also it's never- the reason that he hates Sam. <laughs> and also, and also Leia probably doesn't even remember Tatooine. She, yeah, she was like, there. No, hell if she- oh, Her yeah. only memory of Tatooine is being a sex slave to Jabba the Hutt. Why are you oh, in yeah, Tatooine? That did happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, I thought that a more natural place to put those lightsabers would have been on Kennedy's the ass. island in the little planet yeah. that was yeah. Northern Ireland or something. Yeah, and, the, the Jedi oh, Temple. And, or was that in Scotland? I don't remember. I think also, I think why pick up the name Skywalker? Because, you know, to us, sure, it's, it's uh, symbolic of heroism. 
because Luke, but like to her, to I mean, like, it would probably be symbolic of heroism yeah. for her too. No, no, no. Look, think Luke. about it. Imagine the looks Vader, you get at Space Skywalker, DMV when you have Ky- to give over your license and it says Palpatine. Yeah, <laughs> think about it. Think about it. Vader, genocidal fuck. Kylo Ren, genocidal fuck. Uh, right. uh Luke Skywalker, <clears throat> heroic but uh, also kind of cowardly. Um, okay. But uh, I mean, to be to be fair, I don't think that that most people knew Vader as uh, Luke's dad. Well, yeah, because Luke sure. didn't. Yeah, know, yeah, but Luke it doesn't matter. Most that. people know she knows. Yeah, and and, and like I don't know. In my mind, it probably would have made more sense for her to take up the name Organa. You know, I thought that it would be fine if she was just still Ray. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, that, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, why I like she Ray from Nowhere. That's a cool fucking name. Yeah, yes. Ray from Nowhere would have been I don't know perfect. If Disney's trying it, to sell yeah. us on like the divine yeah. providence of your bloodline or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I, to, to, to I mean, I guess it makes sense considering it's a company named Disney. So like, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right, you know what? Uh, we've dumped on this movie for about thirty minutes straight, and I think Oof. like the like the cultural dialogue we're sort of fallen flat with exasperation so you know what let's each end with one thing we really liked about rise of skywalker uh uh, chowder have you got anything uh the chemistry between uh john boyega and oscar (laughs) isaac really good even even when it is even when the movie is trying to do everything to not let it happen it's still really good on a less backhanded note, there were some funny moments. I, I will yep. admit there were some funny moments. So, you know, there's that. Fair enough. Austin, how about you? Something you really liked about Rise of Skywalker? Um, Yeah, so I'm going to I have to start with something I dislike because this is I just want to hammer it home. Really not impressed with the lightsaber choreography. <laughs> However, a lot of those scenes included um some really fun stuff with like force manipulation. I thought a lot of the special effects and mm-hmm. the the vision for what people were doing with the force was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I, um, for me, I think it was just any scene that had Daisy Ridley and Adam driver on the screen together or cutting between them. Um, I think that they are the core of this trilogy and I'm upset that we didn't get a little more time with them in this movie to develop it because their scenes in the last Jedi made me care about them more than in any other movie. And um, the ending to me worked where, you know, the kiss, the disappear. I thought that was like a nice handover, but it would have been strong if we had had more in the movie to back that up. But, um, I like that. All we have is her stabbing Kylo. So, you know, exactly. Uh, that, but, that's but the like, basis e- of all good relationships. But even that fight on the wreckage of, of Death Star 2, Genocide Boogaloo, I really enjoyed, <laughs> uh, their yes, performances there. So, um... I think yeah. if the movie had uh, had had the breathing room to focus more on that, I would have enjoyed it even more. But I love their performances, and I like that relationship. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't had the chance. I don't want to go too far on this. I know we're already spilling over. But, like, I feel to me, it feels like the, the kiss sort of cheapens the stuff that they've, like, the, the growth that they've had. Yeah. And, and, but the thing is, I yeah, I think that if they had been able to support it with more, I think it would have worked better i think that there could have been more stuff to get there again but this is also coming from someone that didn't read it as a romantic kiss i didn't see it as as a romantic capitulation i saw it as um i I, again i just saw it as intimacy because there's you just just uh just lust (laughs) just just raw animal passion that we didn't get you know like what you know what palpatine had for uh, palpatine fucked (laughs) oh god We're 
we're gonna move on to the rating section. Now, this is gonna be a little weird because this episode has really been uh, a rise of Skywalker in terms of composition and pacing. So, yeah. Uh, I just wanna say whether, uh, if we had to look back on the year of 2019, because it is now 2020, if you had to pick a single moment from geek culture, maybe not that's the most important, but as the thing that just like sticks out to you, that resonates with you, is there a movie, a game, a development, a news story that you think summarizes 2019 and that you would nominate for a top story of the year? Oh, man. Because I, uh, uh, I got a nomination. Um, Please. So, hold on. Ryan's messaging me. Oh, well. Oh, no, Ryan. unfortunate. So, the thing I want to say is I think a lot of really cool things happened this year. MCU had Endgames, uh, which was a nice time. Uh, we okay, had, wait. Was that this year? Yeah, that was that was this year. That was what it was. Our world long fucking yeah, it's a oh, long fucking God. year. Um, I was introduced to Letterkenny, which has been a life-changingly oh, wonderful nice. show. That's like one of my favorite things of the year. It's such a wonderful program. Um, but if I had to pick something to, that that sort of like occupied my brain space that wasn't just like a piece of media, I think it's unfortunately kind of a sad thing, which is in Chatter, you and I talked about this a lot, which is um, a lot of the stories that came out about uh, overworking in game studios. Yeah. I, I could because they they started coming and they kind of kept on coming very and they still come yep because <laughs> I, I smash mouth said it best uh so we're oh gonna keep God. getting these stories for a bit and i think that we uh we need to talk about it more i think it's important we fix it because like i said games are weird again and games are getting weirder and uh, there's a lot of good stuff to play and i don't ever want that to come at the expense of somebody else's well-being um so while it's not a fun thing to talk about i think it's maybe the most important because all the other things i can think of were just things that happened and they'll live on but they don't need my attention right now so that's my nomination is is the workplace issues with game developers Jesus Christ, like, my problem is 2019 and 2018 blend together, so, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking through the list of stuff coming out that came out in 2019, and it's like, I thought that was 2018, oh my <laughs> goodness. Uh, but, okay, okay, so, for me, I think, uh, I, I think the release of a game called Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is, I think, emblematic of what I would like more of, it, or mm-hmm. what I uh, want, like, just small people making no that's that's not exactly a perfect one-to-one relationship because what i was gonna say is small people making uh stuff but like bloodstain also had funding from a larger publisher so no okay. that's not it but but i mean but what what stuck out to you about the game like why is that the thing that comes to mind when i ask you about 2019 because because like uh for the longest time like large studios just refused to make uh, large studios refused to make uh, Metroidvanias because mm. they quote-unquote weren't popular enough, but like, people love those games and people wanted more. They just it, It's not that it, they didn't make money, they just didn't make all the fucking money, 100%. Yeah. But like, Hollow Knight, Bloodstained, the bajillion other Metroidvanias that have come from the indie scene. It, Guacamele. It, yes, mm. Guacamele, that's really good. And it's, and, and it's like, you don't have to be the, you don't have to be some billion dollar studio to make something that will connect with people anymore you can be just some dude trying or just a small small dude and you can like reach people maybe not all the people but there if you build it they will come i would like to think so but there there's also the uh there's also the counter problem of like everything is so saturated these days it's hard to like 
get uh, get get any seen sort above of recognition. The... All yeah. right, so Chatter's nomination, Bloodstained. Uh, uh, Austin, what is? Do you have a nomination for your top story of 2019? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I gotta tip my hand a little bit here. I'm Holy probably shit. gonna Wait, vote what? for what workers' do you mean rights. Bright... Um, <laughs> what do you mean? Bright... <laughs> 2019 uh, yeah um but i i think i will put up uh again uh what you've talked about before just this uh on the consumer side of things rather than the production just the uh this trend which has been it has been developing for a while but i think it's become more apparent at least to us uh of games the of like selling games and running games uh in this uh in this new way where instead of like you go out you buy a game you own the game Mm -hmm. now you subscribe to services that let you play games and you probably spend a significant amount of that time playing a game which you further like you have to pay a subscription fee to for extra content or whatever um and i don't know i think this is an important one um just because like it, it even though uh studios are each thinking of it to themselves as like a new way to you know stay afloat make money while mm-hmm. they're still making new content instead of having to do like weirdly paced dlc drops depending on when work gets done in the studio this is much more steady income for them um but i think this it's like it's it seems to me like this is a slow replacement or supplement to just like a lot of the microtransaction debacles that we've heard about yeah. over the past couple of years and this is like a response it's like okay let's well, make them good we're not let's make them worthwhile yeah yeah um and i think that's an important development because uh, yeah it's just gonna change the way that people interact with the medium okay cool so yeah if we just if we want to kind of work one of these to be the top um i if I'm not voting for my own, I'd definitely probably vote for, though it's nebulous, probably vote for Austin's. Austin, you said uh, you'd probably vote for workers' rights. I uh, am yeah, just, it's, yeah. Yep. How about you, Chatter? Vote for, what's your... Wait, uh, workers' right. I'm voting for workers' rights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprise, me too. Excellent, that was a test. We are all pro-working <laughs> class. Um, no, yeah, uh, cool. Oh, well, uh, just like Rise of Skywalker, ending on a bit of a downer, but for 2019, I, I do think it is important to focus on some of the problems behind what we're doing, because that's how yeah. we're going to make it more fun for yeah. everyone. If I really had to pick out what summed up 2019, just people getting militant over fucking Pokemon. That would probably <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, people do that with everything. This fair. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, that about wraps it up. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, this is the longest CGB recording I've been on for a while. Um, <laughs> oh, but I have been Colin Ketchin. And uh, you can find me at Sonic Colin K online if you would like to. Uh, I also run two other CGB podcasts currently called Dice Populi and How You Doing. They're both pretty good shows, and you can get them at commongeekingprogram.com. There might also be some new shows coming in 2020, depending on if I can kick my collaborators in the pants hard enough. We'll see what happens. Anyway, I've been joined by... Again, uh, me, Austin, uh, I don't have any uh, social media accounts to put here, so let's uh, take it away. 
Uh, hi, I'm Tom Chaudhary, or Chatter, whichever you prefer, and uh, you can oh, find me on Twitter that. at Tom uh, That That's pretty much it. Very cool. All right, so in about two weeks, uh, Chatter will actually be on an episode where uh, Ryan uh, Mossbarger uh, talks about Eberron, the new campaign with Chatter and Jeff, uh, oh, the new uh, campaign book out from uh, Wizards of the Coast of Dungeons and Dragons. So two weeks from today, third Friday of the month, that'll be out. And then beginning of next month, we will have another common briefing program uh, recapping uh, January of 2020. So thank you again for listening. Check out other stuff if you have the time. But we at least hope we'll see you next time. Also, uh, Ryan, because he couldn't make it in time for the recording, he is going to record a rant. So if you want to hear Ryan in his <laughs> wonderful elocutionist voice rant about Rise of Skywalker, oh it's, it'll be there. Thank you so much. I'm going to go to bed now. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, baby. All right. This episode of the Common Geeking Program is hosted by me, Colin Ketchen, and I've been joined by Austin Liebers and Timel Chowdhury. This episode is sponsored by Hellblade Send You a Shadow. We talked about it on the episode, and I'm playing it right now. Maybe you can hear the character breathing on my TV. I don't know. That's not the point of the credits. Uh, the podcast is created and produced by myself and Jeff Levitt with this episode edited and uh, with original music by me. Uh, Ryan did record a rant that I was going to post here in the post credits, but uh, it is 24 minutes long, so you will hear a bonus episode with Ryan Mossbarger ranting about Rise of Skywalker probably next week. I hope it's a lot of fun, so tune in then, and thank you for listening to this. Holy shit, the punctuation in this, um, in these subtitles are, like, really impressive, and it, like, I've, I've gotten really good at speaking my punctuation when I yeah. use dictation for my phone, like, hello, comma, how are you, question mark, and this huh. Skype subtitles thing is making me feel like an ass, because oh, it's just horrifying. doing it, it's just getting the, the commas and the breaks and everything. <laughs> yeah, this is, I'm leaving this, this will be distracting for me but i i really want to see how how solid it's it's yeah. it's uh it's subtitles are this is crazy oh hey kitty all right um so uh chatter i just said this to austin still no word from ryan i know he really wants in <laughs> on the skywalker beef section beef session so I'm going to make that, like, the back half of the episode just to give him some time in case he wants to jump in because I know he's, like, driving. Um, the oh, quietest. Uh, Chatter, you are extremely quiet <laughs> now. But I have your subtitles, so that helps. <laughs> uh.